Open your Bibles with me to the book of James, chapter 1. We have a handout. Now, some of you may still have the one from last week. It's the same handout. If you do not have a handout, just lift your hand. We have ushers that are going to make their way back. If you don't have the handout, just lift your hand. We'll make sure that you get one. Be in prayer for the building. A lot of things going on. Uh, the week after next, we're going to be presenting to you some of the finances, some of the things that still need to be done. And if you're a guest with us, I promise we do not talk about money every week. That's, have you ever been to a church that feels like that's all they ever talk about is money? That's not us. Um, I am going to do that every day until the building is done. But no, a week from Sunday, we're going to give you an update on the finances, where we are with all of it, and give you an opportunity to uh, give so that you can know what's going on with the project. It's exciting to see what God's doing with it. And uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now and kind of transition from all the other business to studying God's Word. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together, to gather around your Word. Lord, um, while we're here, we have people that we love who are going through trouble. And Lord, I think of Donna Yates with the issues she fell with her back and just the terrible pain trying to figure out what to do with it. Lord, I pray that we as a church can be a blessing to her and to Gary. And then the Edwards family with uh, the surgery that Dr. Edwards has gone through and just the horrible pain, the recovery, and now more treatments that need to happen. Lord, I pray that you'll be with that family and just a heavy weight, the burden of that. And then our friend Jeff Faggart, who is going through his treatments for his uh, brain cancer and the tumors and all of that. Lord, I pray that you'll... You'll just be there with him, and Lord, show yourself mighty. We really are asking you for a miracle in that. Now, Lord, as we turn to your word, Lord, there's so much that we need to learn from your word. It's, it, is our, it is our authority, and it's a supernatural book where you have given us information in it that can't be known any other way. Lord, help us to recognize that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we started just a, an intermission in our series through the book of Zechariah, and we are going to go back to that as soon as I'm finished with this, stu this study. But what I wanted to do, because we have so many folks who have come to us over the last few years since I've taught this, is to teach again how we approach the Word of God at Grace Baptist Church. Sometimes people will say they'll come and they'll hear the preaching, the teaching here, whether it's from myself or from Pastor Nathan or through one of our Sunday school classes, and they're saying, wow, I'm learning things from the Bible that I never learned. I've been in church all my life, and I've never learned the things that I'm learning from the Bible here at Grace Baptist. And how many of you have experienced that? You would say that that, that is your, your testimony. The reason for that is not because... I'm a great teacher. Pastor Nathan's an exceptional teacher. That, that's not the issue. The issue is our approach to the Word of God is just different from that of many other churches. Every evangelical church claims that the Bible is their sole authority. Every one. But the problem is then you go into the service and what you find is the pastor is teaching through a series uh, from a popular book that you would go to the Christian bookstore and buy. How I many of you know what I'm talking about with that? And they're good people. Many of these pastors, they're godly men. But I'm just telling you, there is not a book written, all right, for, through 2,000 years of church history, 
There is not a book that has been written that is worth taking this time to discuss other than this book. Do you understand that our priority, the Bible says, we, we sang that song a few minutes ago, that God's name, His name is exalted. Well, the Bible says that He's magnified His word above all His name. Isn't that interesting? Does God care about His name? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Does He care about His name? Well, He has magnified His Word above His name. So a lot of people, they come to church to hear about the name of Jesus, and they should, amen? But through His Word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The Bible says... Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And that's in every one of the Gospels. Of course, unless you have a modern translation, it removes that from most of them. But that's probably an important passage, wouldn't you agree? And so we believe that every word of God is true and that this is our authority. We rest in this. We, we believe this. And this is our, our foundation for everything that we do here. So let me just lay a foundation. Uh, look at your handout. And then we'll get to the scriptures. Last week, we did fill in these first blanks, and some of you might not have been here. So let me give you that information. I know that I can understand the Bible. Number one, I must settle in my heart and mind some foundational truths. I must settle in my heart and mind some foundational truths. Letter A, the Bible is an open book. The Bible is an open book. What does that mean? That means that you do not need any special spiritual uh, gift to be able to understand the Bible. So let me define that a little bit more specifically. There was a false teaching in the time when the book of 1 John was written. It was called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was this teaching that if you really knew God, He would give you some special insight to know more than what the Word of God would tell you. And that is completely false. Amen? That is completely false. Every saved person who has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and has sufficient intellectual capacity to be able to read and understand English can know God's Word. Amen? You can know it. So, foundational truths. The Bible is an open book. Letter B, I can understand the Bible. I can understand the Bible. That doesn't mean Jim Alter can. Well, I can. It means that the, you can understand the Bible. So, I want you to write down I can't understand the Bible. And letter C, beware the doctrine of the Nicolaitans mentioned by Jesus in Revelation 2, 6 and 15. I'm not going to take the time to turn there, but that is simply the teaching of lording over the laity, the common man. Jesus Christ hates, that's the language of the Bible, Jesus hates the teaching that a, a pastor or a priest would lord over God's people by saying, it would be like as if I said, I, Jim Alter, can understand the Bible because I'm trained, but Greg can't understand the Bible because he's just a layman. There is nothing in the Bible, there is no distinction in the Bible between the priesthood and the laity. How many of you have heard of priests and laymen? How many of you have heard that before? There's no difference. Well, it will just increase the temperature of the room by making you do calisthenics today. How many of you are saved? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior? 
then you have the Holy Spirit of God in you and you are a priest of God. You are a priest of God. There is no distinction between the priesthood and the laity. Now, it's, it, that's, that, so it's vital that Jesus hates the idea that I as pastor, because of my training, would have some special insight into the Word of God that you don't have or that you don't have access to. You have access to everything that I have access to. The only difference is how much time you want to put into it, whether or not you obey the Word of God, and how the Holy Spirit teaches you as you submit to what He teaches you. That's the only distinction. Amen? Are you with me on that? Okay. Now, I know it's hot in here, so some of you are already going... We read this morning how Peter went into a trance while he was waiting for lunch. Some of you have already entered into that trance. So, so come back to me. All right, so let's move on. Letter, or Roman numeral number two. I will learn the Bible as the Holy Spirit teaches me. I will learn the Bible as the Holy Spirit teaches me. Let's do this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. And you can put a marker there in James. We'll be back there in a minute. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And don't worry, I'm not going to re-preach all of last week. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now do you see a distinction there between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God? So we are supposed to be different than the world. All right, there's a different spirit. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I already quoted John 6, 63. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we compare spiritual things with spiritual. We compare the words of the Bible and God gives us understanding through His Holy Spirit. All right? Now look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are... What are those next two words? Spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ, all right? So how have we been given the mind of Christ? Through His Word. We know the mind of Christ through the Word of God. Now, I mentioned last week that there are three men in the Bible, and they're all revealed to us in this passage, all right? Verse 15, but he that is spiritual. Who's the spiritual man? That's the person that's saved, all right? Not born of the flesh, but born of the Spirit. So the spiritual man is the saved man. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. All right? So the, thing, so the natural man is the lost man. Natural man is the lost man. Spiritual man is the saved man. Look at verse chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Even as unto babes in Christ. So it's really important. The natural man is the lost man. The spiritual man is the saved man. The carnal man is the saved man living like the unsaved man. It's a spiritual man who's been made alive and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So it's a saved man. He's spiritually alive, but he lives as if he is a baby 
Now, how many of you have children that would be considered babies? All right, I saw Dan and Dodie lift their hands. <laughs> so you have children that would be considered babies. Babies don't read well, right? It's hard to have a deep conversation with a nine-month-old. You don't get a lot of interaction back from the nine-month-old. They're babies. The carnal person is the person who is, they're, they're alive to spiritual things, but they can't receive the spiritual things because they're living like a lost person. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? All right, so what's he talking about right there? Well, you're saved, but you're living as if you are lost. You have no spiritual insight. You don't understand what's going on. Go to Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the what? Knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us... What's that next word? Really important. All things that pertain unto life and godliness... Through what? The knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So notice, this isn't some Gnostic higher understanding that certain individuals have and others don't. God's given to every believer all things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that what the Bible says? So we all have access to this. Then look at what it says. Whereby are given unto us, verse 4, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. So that's you're saved. You're alive spiritually. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, so besides getting saved, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. And that virtue is doing what you know is right. And to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in what? In the what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." So you can be a believer, you're saved, you've been saved by faith, but you remain a baby, you never add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. You don't add those things and so you have no understanding of God. You don't understand His Word, you don't understand what He wants. You can get to the place where you forget that you were ever saved. Did I make it up or is that what the Bible says? Okay, so you have the, the natural man can't understand the things of the Word of God. You have the spiritual man who can understand those things unless he's living as a carnal man, and then it's just milk. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. How many of you have been to a church? That's all you ever hear. Jesus loves you. Why? Because you've got a bunch of babies. 
And if the pastor starts teaching the meat of the Word of God, oh, man, I don't understand. I'm not interested. I don't, I don't know. Why? Because you're not interested in the things of God because you're more interested in the world. So that's exactly what's being spoken of here. So here at Grace Baptist Church, our desire is to bring glory to God by exalting His Word. That's, that's our heartbeat. I like Isaiah 26. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited on thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. We, we want to know God better, but the only way we can know Him better is through His Word as the Holy Spirit teaches us through His Word. Is that right? Okay, so now, look at your handout. I will learn the Bible as the Holy Spirit teaches me. Letter A, pride kills. Pride kills. Man, if you think because you have a high IQ that God has blessed you above all others, God's not going to reveal the, the truth of the Word of God to you. Man, I see this all the time. I have seen so many, man, you know, I've got, what, 6,000 books in my library in there. There are so many different guys that I read. Give me a perfect example. A guy named Kostenberger, who's probably a great guy, okay? I, I, I think he's a great guy. But his commentary on John, you know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, Word was God. That Word, Word, in not Word, but the, the Word, Word, in the Greek is Logos, L-O-G-O-S, Logos. And this, again, Greg can't understand this because he doesn't have my training. But the word Logos being interpreted is word. That's what the word Logos means is word, okay? So in this commentary, they're trying to figure out where did John get the word word? How did John come up with this word Logos? So this is a discipline in... uh, Textual criticism called source criticism. Where did the biblical writer get the information that he wrote down on the page? What was his source? It's called source criticism. And I've got to tell you, that would be the shortest course in the world. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, let's go eat. I would love to be paid to teach the course on source criticism. Wouldn't that be lovely? Now, somebody might say, oh, pastor, there's so much more to it than that. Nah, really, not. It's, it's completely faithless. It's a completely faithless approach to the Bible. So anyway, Kostenberger, in this commentary on John, gives eight different theories on where John got the term logos. And let me tell you two that were not included in the list. All right? Here's the first one that was not included. Um, it's his name. How many know that Jesus Christ's name is the Word? And the Bible tells us how long that's been his name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So it was his name before anything was. Is that right? So wouldn't you think that would be an option? It's his name. Now, he is preexistent. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says he is from everlasting, Micah 5, 2. He's, he's, he doesn't have a beginning. He has always existed. John 17, and now, O Father, glor- uh, uh, 
restore to me the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So one of the options was not, it's his name. Here, here was the other one that was not his option. Where did John get the name Logos? This was not included. The Holy Spirit told him to write it down. That was not an option either. Now, how many of you recognize how faithless that is? That is complete faithlessness. We believe that God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave the biblical writers the words that he wanted them to write down. Here's how I know that. John 17. And again, what we're doing is just laying again the foundation of who are we at Grace Baptist Church and how do we approach the Scriptures. Those of you that were in my Sunday school class this morning saw this passage. Verse 8. John 17 and verse 8. For I have given unto them the what? The words which thou gavest me. So where did the words, uh, where did the disciples get the words of God? From Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. How do we know that's what it's talking about? Look at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through what? Their word. Where did they get their word? From Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. So next Sunday, Laura and I will be in Atlanta, and we're teaching Michael Scott's church how to do one-on-one discipleship. So I'll speak Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I believe in the Sunday evening service we'll split, and Laura will demonstrate to the ladies what a discipleship meeting actually looks like. And then Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, I'm teaching them the four goals of discipleship. And we get our warrant for that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men, or commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What things is he talking about? Look at chapter 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of what? What is those next two words? Which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So what, what Paul gave Timothy was the word of God, right? We know that because in 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. Chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. What things is he talking about there? And that from a child thou hast known what? The holy scriptures. Now, it's very interesting. Often, people say that the Bible was inspired in the original autographs, that the Scripture is the original autographs, and then we may or may not have that now, right? You find that if you're reading a commentary, one of my favorite comments 
I was preaching through the Gospel of Mark years ago, and the commentator said, this verse may be genuine. Really? Every word of God is pure, the Bible says. Thy word is true from the beginning, the Bible says. And then God promised to preserve His word, so I believe that we have every word of God. He preserved them for us. But here, and from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures... I know where those original autographs are. Timothy's mother and grandmother had them. How many of you think they had the original autographs? No. They had copies and probably translations. And what did God call those? Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture. So what does that mean? That you're holding Holy Scripture in your hand right now. You are holding Holy Scripture. So what are the things? And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, we're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we're saved by faith through the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So what we believe is that God gave His Word to His men. They wrote, he wrote those words down and then He preserved them. There's a, a famous teacher, his name is Bart Ehrman, Bart Ehrman. And he wrote a, a book called Misquoting Jesus. And they had him on, you know, all the late night talk shows and all of that. The reason for that is his, he's basically teaching that you don't have the Bible anymore. So he was raised in a fundamentalist church. He went off to Moody Bible Institute. In Moody Bible Institute, he started learning uh, some questions about the text of Scripture. He went to Wheaton, where at Wheaton he was taught that, well, we don't really have the exact text of the Bible. And then he did his doctorate at Princeton, and by the time he was finished at Princeton, he no longer believed that he had the Word of God. And listen to his statement. This is a true statement. He said this, If God can't preserve His Word, why should I believe He inspired it in the first place? Is that a true statement? It is. Here's the good news. He preserved it. He preserved it. Look at Psalm 12. Now remember, we're just taking a break from preaching through the Old Testament book of Zechariah to tell everyone what is our approach to the Bible. How do we understand it? How do we learn it? Psalm chapter 12 and look at verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, you understand that number seven is number of perfection, right? And that's pure. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. It's so interesting. Do you realize how many vile men have been exalted above God's Word? Who hated God's Word. Try to undermine God's Word. But God promised to preserve it. Now, I will say this. Because this teaching of preservation is not taught in many places, you have many of the modern translations change that to talk about how God's going to preserve Israel. It's not talking about the preservation of Israel. The text is talking about the preservation of God's words. But if you don't believe in the preservation of God's words, you better make the word say something different than that. They bring an agenda to the text sometimes. So here, God has promised 
to preserve his word from this generation forever. And this is where it's really important to define your words. That word generation, we think of time frame. No, no, no. When the Bible uses the word generation, almost every time it's talking about a seed. It's talking about, so the, the generation of one man producing children. Here it's talking about Israel. How did God preserve his word? How did God give us his word? Through the Jews. Through the Jews. Look at Romans chapter 9. We'll do a shorter way. Look at Romans 3, verse 1. Romans 3 and verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? So circumcision is the, the spiritual right that would identify someone as a Jew. Verse 2, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. What are the oracles of God? The Scriptures. So God promised that He would give His word through the Jews, but then He would also preserve His word through the Jews. So we have the Masoretic text of the Old Testament that underlines your Bible that was given to us and preserved by the Jews. Who wrote the text of the New Testament? Jews. They're all Jews. God gave us that and then He promised to preserve His Word so that we can hold it in our hands today. Isn't that exciting? I'm so glad that we can. So, look at Roman number number two. I will learn the Bible as the Holy Spirit teaches me. Letter A, pride kills that, that pride, the idea that someone could say, I know better than you what God's word is. That's Nicolaitanism. Letter B, how much you learn depends solely upon your walk with God. How much you learn depends solely upon your walk with God. And boy, that is so true. Now, let's get to some new stuff. Letter C, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. This only applies to believers who have the spirit. So that's that spiritual man. Roman numeral, Roman numeral number three. I will learn the Bible by learning the factors that focus my Bible study. I will learn the Bible by learning the factors that focus my Bible study. Letter A, the context factor. The context factor. And the best way to understand context is whose mail am I reading? Whose mail am I reading? Now, let's go to James. I told you we were going to go there. James chapter 1. So who is James, the, the book of James, who is it written to? So James 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So who is it addressed to? The twelve tribes that are scattered abroad. Who is that? Jews. Now it's written to Jewish Christians, Jewish believers, but it's written to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. When you look at the history of heresy, these heresies come from Matthew, Hebrews, Matthew, Acts, Hebrews, and James. They take passages out of Matthew. They take passages out of Acts. They take passages out of Hebrews. They take passages out of James. And it causes all kinds of confusion because those passages are removed from their context to teach something that the Bible does not teach. So James was written to Jewish believers living in the shadow of the temple. 
And if you understand that, then the context becomes very clear. Now, remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We just read that. That includes, includes the, gospel of James, the gospel, the book of James. Very important. Now, remember, Martin Luther took his copy of the book of James and threw it in the fire because he figured that it was teaching a works salvation. Well, that's not what James is teaching at all. What the book of James is teaching, look at what it says, verse 3, or verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When you look, if, if you look all the way through the book of James, it's all about tribulation, 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 tribulation. So what happens during the tribulation period? God sends 144,000 Jewish witnesses. He preaches the gospel to these Jews. Many Jews believe. And what has happened at that point? The temple is rebuilt. Antichrist is calling the people to the temple. Take the mark. Take the mark. And in the book of James, they are counseled to, listen, remember that your faith is going to be tried. And then watch your tongue. Do you think in the tribulation period it's going to be important to watch your tongue? How about this? Make sure a person who says they're a believer that their life matches what they say. So look at, look at chapter uh, 2 and verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? And so what people say is they look at that text and they say, Well, apparently works, that salvation is by works. Abraham was saved when he sacrificed Isaac. The only problem is the Bible says that Abraham, his faith was counted to him, not of works, but of faith. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Hold your place. Go to Romans chapter 4. Verse 1, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So is this a contradiction? Here it says Abraham, was ju his faith was justified by his works in James. In Romans it says he wasn't justified by works. Is that a contradiction? Let's look at what the Bible says. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What did he believe? He believed God when God said, Abraham, go into land that you don't know, and I'll make of you a great nation. Abraham said, okay. He got up and went and believed that God was going to make of him a great nation. When he believed God, that was counted him for righteousness. So what is it talking about in James? Look at what it says back in James chapter 3. I'm sorry, James chapter 2. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? What is that saying? Abraham had already believed God. That being willing to sacrifice Isaac demonstrated that he had believed God. That action justified the faith that he claimed. Now, how many of you, since you got saved, 
have lived in a way at one point or another that didn't match your faith. Any of you? But I'll tell you what, there have been times since you've been saved where God helped you in a particular way and that demonstrated your faith to where you were able to do something or say something or behave in a way that you never had been before and that demonstrated your faith in God. Amen? That's all that's being spoken of. But in the book of James, the reason there's so much confusion is people don't understand that while this is profitable for all of us, we need to make sure that, the, that, the, the, that our faith is demonstrated by what we do. Then the tribulation, that's going to apply to those people, to those Jews living in the shadow of the temple. The book of Hebrews, who's the book of Hebrews written to? It's really a tough question, right? Hebrews. We're not Hebrews. Again, they were believers, they were Christians living in the shadow of the temple. And the Bible says that Jesus is better than the temple. He's better than Moses. He's better than the Levitical priesthood. Go on in your faith. Go on in your faith. You get to the tribulation period, people are going to want to go back to the temple. Is that saying... Now, here's what the hyper-dispensationalist would say. You don't even need to read Hebrews. You don't even need to read James. It's not for you. Of course it's for you. But it's not specifically written to you because you are not a part of the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Who are you? We are the church of God. We are the church of God. So context, the context factor. Whose mail am I reading? Letter B, the time factor. The time factor. Um, I do want to just make one more comment about context. Every false religion takes passages out of context because they do not understand who that literature is written to or addressed to. Every one of them. These next points are going to help us to understand the context. So letter B, the time factor. The time factor. The Bible has proper divisions, and you must understand these divisions in order to understand the message. So go to Ephesians chapter 1. So a couple of weeks ago when I was in Kansas, I was teaching on Reformed theology. And Reformed theology is based on a teaching of a man named John Calvin. So it's not, it doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from John Calvin. And this is one of those areas that really helps to clear that up. So if you look in verse 4, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So what people believe is that God chose some people for heaven and some people for hell. But that's not what it says. Read the rest of the verse. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, wherein he hath made us accepted, where? In the beloved. In whom? So if you look at in whom, in him, the end of verse 10, in him, verse 11, in whom. So all of these characteristics are true of anybody who is in Christ. God, before the foundation of the world, determined that every person that is in Christ will be holy and without blame before him in love. All right? So they're all characteristics. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we... Okay, here's the time. 
that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So if you trust in Christ, then God ordained before the foundation of the world that you would be holy and without blame before Him in love, that you would be, uh, have the adoption of children, you'll be adopted into the family of God. All of these are characteristics that are true of everyone who first trusts in Christ. Let's see if there's any more time words here. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. What's that next word? Is that a time word? Yes. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your own salvation. Let me give you a perfect example of after. Do you ice a cake before or after it's baked? Is it a problem? Does it work out well if you ice it before it's baked? Yes, that's a problem. You see, it's a time word. It helps you to understand. So in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? The Bible makes it very clear. You preach the word of God, people hear the word of God, then they believe the word of God. When they believe the word of God, then they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And what is that Holy Spirit of promise? Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Is there a time word there? Until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So when you get saved, you're sealed until the Holy Spirit, or until you're redeemed from this earth. That's the rapture of the church where you're taken out. The problem is, go to John chapter 14. We looked at this in the Sunday school hour. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The example I used in Sunday school is I want my knife with me. I don't want it in me. Right? The Holy Spirit was with them. Now the Holy Spirit will be in them. When did the Holy Spirit get in them? Day of Pentecost. Now every saved person has the Holy Spirit of God indwelling them. The Bible says, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you are not born again. How do you get the Holy Spirit? You get the Holy Spirit when you are saved. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you at your salvation. But those time words are very important. Time words. I want to show you one of the most important time words. Go to Luke chapter 17. No, I'm sorry. It's not Luke 17. It is Luke 22. Luke 22 and verse 19. And he took his bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the what? New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. One of the reasons that there's so much confusion about the gospel is because people don't understand when the New Testament started. Jesus Christ said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now, am I making it up or am I just reading it? Right? What did he mean when he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood? Go to Hebrews chapter 9.
the things that I'm showing you in this study are vital for you to be able to understand your Bible. The reason there's so much weirdness in Christianity is people don't believe the plain words of the Bible. All right? Uh, So Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of what? Death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the what? First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, don't let that who are called. Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father draw him. Is that what the Bible says? But then Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says now is the time for every man everywhere to repent. Okay, so don't worry about that calling that he's calling some but not others. No, he's drawing all men to himself. Then look at what it says. Verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force. What's that word? After men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all. What's that next word? While the testator liveth. So the Old Testament lasted until the death of Jesus Christ. The reason there's so much confusion in churches is people don't know when the New Testament started. The New Testament did not start with Matthew 1.1. The New Testament started with the death of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. So context, whose mail are you reading? Time factor, what age, what period of time are we living in? And then letter C. Letter C. We'll stop here after this. The people factor. The people factor. There is no understanding of the Bible without a proper understanding that the Bible is written to three types of people. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. And I got to say this, man, you guys are doing great listening. It's hot in here. I'm watching you. You're sweating. And it's tough. But you guys are doing good. We're going to finish this up. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Three people groups in your Bible. Jews, Gentiles, church of God. Adam was a Gentile. Every person living on the face of the earth from Adam through Abraham was a Gentile. From Abraham on, now, every person in the world is either a Jew or a Gentile. And you have teaching in the Bible to each of those. Matthew chapter 10. Go to Matthew chapter 10. We looked at this last week in our Sunday school class. Matthew chapter 10. If you don't understand the distinctions between the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God, you cannot understand your Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, 
Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, I've never seen this commission printed on the wall of a church. Look at what it says. Go not into the way of the who? And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Remember, what are Samaritans? Half Jew, half Gentile. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. House of Israel is made up of who? Jews. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. Now, it's really important that you understand this. Why did they need to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead? Why did they need to do that? Because the Jews, let's look at it, Romans chapter 1. Oh, it's not Romans 1. I can't remember. Anyway, the Bible says Jews require a sign. But the Greeks seek after... Oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at it. I'm getting too old to preach without notes, people. Pray for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. Jews required a sign. What do we preach now? The words of God. Wisdom of God through the Word of God. All right? So the Jews... Remember Jesus said, Don't go to the Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the Jews, then to the Gentiles, that commission came after his death. Luke chapter 24. Let's look at it. It's amazing how many Christians believe that the disciples were walking around during Jesus Christ's life preaching the, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They all think that's what they were doing. All right, so now Luke chapter 24, this is after the death of Christ, after His resurrection. He's revealed Himself to the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Now He's come and He has eaten with them. Verse 45, Then opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among who? Beginning at Jerusalem. So it's really important that we understand that that other was written to the Jews. Now we have the Gentiles, and next comes the church of God. But before we do that, look at Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke 18, sorry. Luke 18. I'm just going to show one of these passages. There are many more that we could go to. Then he took, so Luke chapter 18 and verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Everybody look up here. How many of you know that's the message we preach? Right? And people think this is what the disciples were, were preaching. This is Luke 18. Look at the next verse. 
And they understood all of these things because they had been preaching it for three and a half years. And they understood, what's that next word? None of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. They didn't have any idea. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. That's right before the crucifixion. Here's right after the resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Wouldn't they have thought, Man, the tomb's empty. He rose from the dead. No. Why not? Verse 9, For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. As yet. As yet. Is it time words? Jews, Gentile, church of God. Church of God could not begin until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then you had to have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then you had to have the mysteries of the church revealed to the Apostle Paul. So God gave a progressive revelation of the church of God. Jesus Christ began with Christ. The church was empowered at Pentecost. Then it was ordered, structured, propagated, and instructed under the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine having a church without the writings of the Apostle Paul? You couldn't. You couldn't. And so they didn't know those things until all of that information was revealed to the Apostle Paul. So why do people get so messed up? They go to the book of Acts and they try and teach what a church is from the book of Acts without the writings of the Apostle Paul. Let's finish up with this. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter two, verse seven. Second Timothy chapter two and verse seven. Paul said, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. See, we're not Jews or Gentiles. The Bible says that in the church there's neither Jew nor Greek, but we're all one. Is that what the Bible says? So the things that are written to the Jews, that's not written to the church. The things that are written to the Gentiles, that's not written to the church. The things that are written to the church, those things are written to the church. And how do I know that? To the church at Galatia, to the church at Rome, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Ephesus. Isn't that amazing that you can know based on whose mail you're reading? So context, whose mail you're reading. Time factor, what age is this in? And these are the dispensations. We're not going to get into that today. Age. So everybody believes in at least two. Old Testament, New Testament. New Testament started with the death of Christ. You need to know what time it is. And then what people group are being addressed, the Jew, the Gentile, or the church of God. If you get those things down, now you can start interpreting your Bible. And we'll get into some of these other things, not next week, but the following. And we'll, we'll just learn how to read and understand our Bible, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, context, time, people group. Now the Word of God starts to open up. That's how we understand our Bible. Amen? Boy, people get things really messed up. It's interesting how many churches are legalistic churches. They want to control the way you live. They're, they're, they're going to control you with the law. 
And it's amazing how many churches that are even considered premillennial churches, they want to preach a pre-tribulation rapture while still controlling people with the law. God hates that. We're free. We live in liberty. Amen? Are we supposed to sin? No. Are we supposed to do righteousness? Yes. Does any of that have to do with whether or not we get to go to heaven? No. My salvation is not based on what I do. It's based on what He did on the cross. How do I understand that? Because I understand the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know that law was before that. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, it's very interesting. Our study, let's all stand together. Our study today, you know, there are people that say, Man, you're crazy. And I may be, but not on this. Our study today has been verse after verse after verse in their context. Amen? I've not changed the words of a verse. I've allowed the verses to speak for themselves. That's who we are at Grace Baptist Church. That's why we do what we do here. Now, I could have given you six steps on how to stop biting your fingernails today. Or we can look at how are we supposed to understand the Bible. That's who we are. I mentioned all the way at the beginning, maybe two hours ago, feels that way, right? That there are three people. The natural man, that's the lost man. The spiritual man, that's the saved man. And the carnal man, that's the saved man living like the lost man. Where are you? Are you lost? If you died today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? The only way any of us get to go to heaven is by the wonderful grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. That's it. If you're not saved today, you need to get saved. And all it is is you ask Him to be your Savior. Recognize that He's God. You're not. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay for your sin. And if you'll believe that and receive Him as your Savior, realizing that you deserve to go to hell because you're a sinner, you receive the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You're saved. You become that spiritual man. I wonder how many of us, though, we're saved, but we're carnal. We live like the world. We're so interested in the world, we don't have time to read God's Word. We don't have time to think about it. We're carnal. Boy, it, isn't it good to learn some of these things from the Bible? But, man, if we don't live it, the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is we got to do good. we got to do right because we know it. And what is it? we got to study God's Word. we got to know God's Word. And then we got to tell other people about it. That's who we are. It's what we're supposed to do. So I hope the Lord has spoken to you today. We're going to sing this song of invitation.